All right, perfect. Uh, welcome, everybody. This is episode 32 of the Nutanix Weekly uh, podcast. I have Jira Cox here, my co-host. How are you doing today, Jira? Good, Harvey. How are you doing, buddy? I am doing pretty good. Uh, lots of balls in the air and uh, just working to make sure that I catch them all as they come down. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully hope it's hopefully it, with my hand and not my head. Being being busy is satisfying. The wrong kind of busy is frustrating. So hopefully it's the, <laughs> the former for you. Uh, I I will say it is a very uh, healthy and unhealthy combination of both. <laughs> <laughs> No complaints, though. No complaints. Making it happen. Thanks for making the time for uh, for knocking out a podcast here. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, we have today. Come uh, on back there, Harvey. You just muted yourself. I'm I'm anxious to hear. Today we have. It's that kind of day. Um, I don't even know what I pressed or how I pressed it, but okay. So we have. <laughs> A blog uh, today around uh, Nutanix Frame and security for Nutanix Frame. Uh, so definitely a topic. Security is definitely a topic overall, period. But uh, being able to jump into uh, security for Frame specifically um, is, I'm sure, a topic that a lot of people would, would want to hear more about. So uh, happy to discuss it today with you, Ms. Mr. Jira. So, uh, We'll jump right in. Um, yeah, man. We'll, we'll start with, you know, the easiest of things for those who are just joining us for maybe the first time or maybe this is their first or second episode. What in the world is Nutanix Frame? Yeah, man. For, for Frame is um, is our desktop delivery um, tech that lets, you know, lets us provision desktops and then give them to end users, whether they need, um, you know, a full desktop, full on browser in a tab or even just an application, right? Put just the application in a browser tab for them, um, or even on, on uh, certain thin clients as well. So desktop and application delivery um, technology. A lot of this though, even applies to broadly to really EUC desktop delivery of any flavor, right? So the, the let's see, to launch into the, to contextualize this, this article, right? It talks about, you know, it's pretty common for EUC, um, for broad pools of users, right, to use non-persistent machines. It goes back quite a ways in the industry, right, to say when a user logs off uh, and is done with that session, we can throw that desktop away. We don't need to hold on to it. We can actually roll that back and blow it away back to like a known good state, like a uh, back to a, a template or an image. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. So the benefit of, uh, of that, right, can be that the user can't make changes to that, that, that desktop, to that VM, that will persist, right? Non-persistent. It's it's right there in the name. It does what it says. Um, so, so that so so of course that's established, right? The the way this article starts and it's it's true, right? Is that just because we have users on non-persistent desktops doesn't mean that they can't do any harm whatsoever, right? Like, um, in fact, even just thinking back over this past year, <clears throat> tons of articles have come out that says you know patch those domain controllers right now exploits are in the wild that can uh, let a user escalate even terrifyingly, you know, to domain admin level credentials, you know, with certain exploits in, in the wild on, in a Windows environment, right? So, you know, guess what? Your domain controller is very persistent, right? I can do things to them that would persist even from a non-persistent desktop. 
Absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's not it's not a frame particular thing, right? That would happen on heck a physical laptop, right? Or de- delivering desktops via any technology, right? Windows Windows going to Windows. So 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 we joined we joined the story there, right? Around of course non persistent desktops are a thing, but this is highlighting a new capability coming to frame, um, or here now in frame that lets us. Um, uh, for non-domain join users, right? Where I just want users to get it at desktop and I don't need the Windows session logged in as their AD user. I can now lock them down to a non-administrative user. So they can only do non-elevated things within that already temporary. It's already going to blow itself up when you log off VM. So then that, that further constricts, like what can I do as a bad actor on the network, if I were to get onto one of these desktops maliciously, and that's or even accidentally, right? Because who knows? Phishing is a thing, right? Phishing is, is phishing is what it is because of not user intent, right? But just uh, you know exploits or or um, you know lack of user education. So so that ability to say I can make uh, I can put even more bumpers around a user on a non-persistent desktop is pretty interesting, right? So I can lock down what they can do within that desktop. Yeah, I mean that that's a great use case from a security standpoint, because again, you you already have non-persistence in place, which is, you know, limiting your exposure to something that would be on that desktop, live on that desktop and kind of, you know, try to propagate itself. But uh, again, being able to go a little bit further and make it so that the piece around attempting to propagate itself is further protected against as well. So, uh, you know, in in essence, you know, even if you did end up with something, you're sort of trying to confine it to just that one non-persistent desktop, uh, which would be great from that use case as well, because after you reboot it, ta-da, it's not there anymore. <laughs> totally. Yeah, right. And 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 we can zoom out one zoom out one tab here, right? One click and and think. I, I already need to have all my virtual desktops in a part of my network that I probably don't trust, right? That's like, it's about as dirty as like raw internet in some, in some ways <laughs> in terms of when I evaluate the security posture of various portions of my network, right? If I can let users get there, uh, it's probably not a trusted segment of the network anymore or it shouldn't be, right? Or we need to be thinking about how do we get to that kind of state in our network design. Um, yeah, it's... It's funny. I love that you said that. I I thought I was the only person that called it the the raw internet. <laughs> <laughs> Unfiltered man. It's just you know I don't even see the matrix anymore. I just see ones and zeros and you, uh, you know malware exploit. You know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, gosh, what was the what was the soundbite? It was like twenty years ago. Let's see, twenty years ago was two thousand one. XP was a thing. Yeah. I think it was like 20 years ago, right? You could like plug an XP computer into your cable modem provider, oh, no router. Dude, five minutes. Yeah, five, four or five minutes. And that thing was owned, <laughs> right? Burn it down, repave it, like gone. Yeah, that I I remember actually having to do that uh to prove what I was trying attempting to, you know, make a point to for a couple of people. Uh, just around how quickly things like that can happen. Um, and yeah, it, it was literally like five minutes and yeah. tell things were happening and traffic was flowing and, oh, look, you have all of this data moving back and forth between this IP that you've never hit before. It's a brand new machine. 
Totally. I mean, and it, I mean, this is this is one this is a problem that like frame uh, or actually any any desktop delivery um, that Flow solves very well. No matter what what's still in your desktops, right? If you're using Flow with Nutanix, we could write a default deny. Like if you're on this desktop, uh, you might not get any internet access, right? And then based on your AD logon, maybe we'll change your microseg firewall around your virtual machine to say now you can get to certain stuff. Now you can get out to the internet or do certain things. Role based access almost for the network. That changes based off of who log who's logged into the, vir- the virtual machine. Um, so right. other ways that you could, you know, do what we're saying and and create that untrusted part of your network, but then create pinholes based off of user logon actions. Um, the article goes on to remind us that like you know you're not saved here just by only doing application delivery, right? If your application has like a file open dialog box, then I can probably walk around and find other other things that you didn't mean to give me in that Absolutely. published application. Absolutely. And break out of it, right? So this is, you know, it's belt and suspenders, right? Why would I want to run as a non-admin when I'm publishing apps? Well, what if those aren't the only apps that your users are running on that on that desktop, right? So wouldn't it be right. better if they were therefore unable to elevate their session um, as they're running any app, right? Whether it's the intended or unintended applications. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, that's something that I think a lot of people need to make sure they're paying attention to as well, because you know something that seems as Notepad will allow you to do anything and everything on the computer, uh, you know, as long as you know what to do with Notepad. Um, so this this seemingly uh, limited application will allow you to do anything that you want to do. Um, same with things like command prompt, which I know a lot of people are, you know, more prepared for and more focused on. But I mean, if you just have Notepad and command prompts not uh, not isolated in any way, you can use Notepad to open command prompt. Um, you know, same for Windows Explorer. Same for, to your point, any app that gives you file open uh, because you can just go tell it to open some with that. Uh, application would normally open. Um, so yeah, 100%, um, you know, need to make sure that you are limiting things as much as you can to give the users what they need access to, but only what they need access to. Yeah, yeah, we don't, the limitations we can put in place serve well-behaved users and the other kind, but we want them for both. Yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, yes, that is 100% true. And you, and you would use this, you know, with, with defense in depth, right. Around, you know, do I need a firewall around my end user computing environment, right. To, to, um, manifest that lack of trust of the environment or do it in, in software, right. Do it with microseg, do it with flow. Um, if I wanted to do that, you know, how do I want to, to isolate that part of the network from my sensitive applications? How much do I need to be, um, you know, worrying. I, I can think of lots of ways that I would add, make this a layer of my defense in depth, right? Do I need to be looking at what DNS queries are happening in this environment? I probably do. Is that a big pain? Yes. yes. But it's also <laughs> like, how does malware get in my environment? How does it spread? DNS is a huge part of that, right? I need to be Absolutely. filtering that, watching those logs. Um, you know, geoblocking could could be a, a one valid aspect to think about, you know, where can I connect to from within this environment? So um, I just, I think it's, I think it's a, a great article and an interesting reminder about, you know, uh, what reminding us what are we not commonly thinking about as we de- as we design security for an EUC environment. Right. 
So then if I were, if I'm going to channel my inner Andy, right. And, and <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> give, him a, give him a voice, right. For, uh, in his absence here today. Um, you know, why would I care about this as a business owner? Right. Right. So what do you think Harvey? I'll throw to you there. <laughs> so why would you care about this as a business owner? Um, you know, I mean, the main thing there is as a business owner, one of the most important things that you can have uh, to make your business run, to be, you know, different or better than the competition uh, and to, you know, be able to continue forward and have, you know, name recognition and things like that is your IP, your internet, your intellectual property, um, your files, your data. Uh, your procedures, you know, things like that. Those are all uh, things that you want to protect and kind of make sure that you have those locked up and kept under lock and key. Um, you know, being able to secure your environment, make sure that that continues to happen. If you've got, you know, security holes and things like that, that users can, I hate to use the word exploit, but I mean, really, you know, it, that's valid in some cases, but if, if a user stumbles on to, and you know, even just stumbles on to files that they should not have access to or things that they should not have access to, you know, you have no idea whether or not they're then doing something with that data or if they their machine has been compromised in some way and somebody else is doing something to that data. So, you know, you definitely want to do your best to secure the environment and, you know, test and, and make sure as a user, you can't get to the things you're securing against. Um, I, I have lots of conversations with people who say they put all kinds of security in place and, you know, we're so resilient, we're so secure. I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, when's the last time you logged in as a user and checked that? And they're like, well, I didn't do that. I, I put it in place so I know it's there. Yeah, it's not that simple. Um, you know, you need to log in, check as a user, see what you have access to, see what you don't have access to, uh, because ultimately that's what you're protecting against. You know, and, you're, and, and to your point, Jara, you're not just doing it for the users who would do right 99% of the time or even the ones that would do right 100% of the time. Um, you're doing that for the bad actors that come through by way of a user mistake or, you know, something of that nature um, where their payload in or, you know, they have remote access or key logging or something like that uh, or be able to sniff, up, you know, sniff the network, things like that. Um, make sure that you are securing the environment to the best of your ability to make sure that you're protecting that intellectual property. I guess that would be probably the, the number one thing I can think of to start with. I totally agree, right, man? Um, I mean, checking your blind spots, right? Proving, verifying, not just assuming 100% would be part of that part of that security posture and maintaining it and enhancing it, right? And even security posture itself has a life cycle, right? It's a, not an event. Absolutely. It's a philosophy. Um, it, yeah, right. And then just, I mean, to go like almost possibly too broad, like technology just carries risk. All technology carries risk, right? Like unless it's unplugged, you know, sitting in the corner, LEDs turned off. Right. It's probably exploitable in some way, right? And so then you, you know, the job you and I do every day is how do we design for mitigate those risks, accept certain risks, right? Like we just want to allow end users to have remote access to our environment, right? It's part of how we're going to do business. But how do I decrease risk while maintaining the value 
of a given solution, right? Like end user remote access. Um, and that's, that's, that's the value, right? I think to the, to the business is, is being able to preserve value, increase security, reduce risk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's kind of, to your point, it's, it's a continuum, right? This is not something where you get to quote unquote, the end and yes, my environment is secured, uh, because that's just not how it works at all. You, you continue to harden, you continue to test for holes. Um, and you know, you continue to update as, you know, vendors and manufacturers or do, uh, release patches and release new features. Uh, because, you know, a lot of times with those new enablements, uh, there are, you know, moments where things don't function as intended uh, or, or things function better than intended, which is uh, still a problem. So, you know, you definitely want to approach this as if it is, you know, something as a, as a life cycle, like you, like you mentioned, uh, so that you're continually testing, you're continually updating, you're continually securing. Uh, so that you never get to the point where what you've secured is basically stale. Um, because in those moments of staleness, you know, is where you are sitting vulnerable for an attacker. Um, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about security overall in the podcast. And, you know, I'm sure that any, anybody you know, listening to the sound of my voice right now has heard and or seen, uh, you know, some security issues, security patches, or, you know, things like uh, Windows viruses and things that come out. Uh, a lot of times, you know, you'll go and look, and if you're updating your environment, you're like, oh, well, they put a patch out for this in January. It's October. This virus can't harm me. And you still yet see uh, many, many, many people and companies that it's still harmed. And, you know, it's the question is why? And it's because they let their environment get stable. They're not updating. They're not looking for patches. They're not, you know, going through uh, security advisories and things like that. I was on my, uh, one of the computers here at the house, I run Macs and Windows and, and one of the Windows ones was, um, had an update available uh, just for like Windows Defender. And, you know, that's a, three second, no reboot update. And I'm like, why are you waiting on me? Like, I know it's a home PC. I know it doesn't have group policy applied to it. I know it's something I could control, but why is the default behavior not silently upgrade that in the background? Right. Um, it, you know, yeah. Right. So the proactiveness, of, the proactiveness of and thoroughness of your security posture, it matters. Yeah. I mean, it, it amazes me, honestly, when I see things like, you know, uh, behind, you know, behind the shoulder of somebody that you're working with, or even, you know, at, to your point at home or uh, at the library or something like that, you know, you see a little, the little update button in the browser just sitting there. And it's like, for me, I'm like, it, as busy as I am and as busy as I can be, like, I know that I'm going to hit that button. It's going to close my browser and it's going to bring it back up and bring everything back the way that it was. And to your point, that's, that's a very, very small amount of seconds, you know, maybe three seconds, maybe five seconds, maybe even 10 seconds, depending on your computer that you're using. But, oh, my goodness, it's such, it's so important. Um, because if you're just sitting there, not updated, 
you know, and you continue to look at that update button over and over and over again for days, weeks, months, like you think about how vulnerable you're just kind of sitting there. Um, and I, I honestly, I hate to see it. If the update button comes up in my browser, I'm like, all right, fine, click, you know, wait a couple of seconds, it comes back up and I'm like, all right, on with the show. Okay, good. I, I'm not, I'm not yes. saying... I'm not saying I'm going to change my avatar on our shared chat services just to be like a little update required button just to trigger you. <laughs> I would never do that, but uh, it's interesting to think about, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that uh, I'll, I'll say that'll get my attention, but at the same time, <laughs> I I expect for it to be over in three seconds, Jared. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that's interesting. There you go. So that's that's some value for audiences if. Uh, if Harvey's not responding to you, you know, you're slacking him, you're IMing him, you're texting him. Boom, change that icon, right? He's got to get right on that. It's just yep. going to, you probably yep. can't go to sleep that night. Send it to an update button. I'll pay attention for, to you, but you got three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> That's the deal. That's the deal. There we go. <laughs> cool, dude. We can bring it in for a landing. Always a pleasure, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Same for me. Uh, love being able to get on here and, and do this with you and kind of share what we know and what we see with the masses. Good deal. Well, we'll, uh, we can pick it back up next week. Uh, Andy should be back with us then. And till then all the best. Same to you, sir. Uh, I'll talk to you next week. Cool. Bye.